0: Good morning, ain't it a great morning outside? I mean, it's nice. It's a little wet, but you know, that's what keeps us from being West Texas. We're going to be talking about gardening for the next hour or so. Folks, I'm Horticulture's fellow Rushing, and you've tuned in to the Gestalt Gardener. It's is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. I've got an array laid out here in the studio before me of all sorts of colorful things that I've grown that you can eat, that pretty to look at, and you can eat when you're tired of looking at them. This time of year, even after a hard freeze, we'll be talking about that and all sorts of other stuff for the next hour. But if you've got some things you'd like to talk about, I mean, things that are going on, things you wish they were going on, things you're not sure about, maybe you heard something not sure you want another opinion about it, or just want to argue about stuff, give us a call. That's what we do. We don't sell stuff here on MPB. It's a public broadcasting. We can just talk about it. It's live. We can take your phone calls, do a little news first, and be back with more of the Gestalt Garden here on MPB.
1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit MPBOnline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
0: Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Horticulture's Phil Rushing. And guess what? I don't have any notes with me this morning. I mean, nothing. We're just, for the next hour or so, we're just going to talk about gardening. Whatever comes along. Uh, I love being stumped because I know how to look stuff up. And also, now I say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't feel the need to make stuff up. So, uh for the next hour or so, if you want to give us a call and talk about what's going on in your gardening world, or that you'd like to have going on, or you're thinking about, or maybe you just... You know heard something you want to run it by somebody. give me a call It's real easy toll free anywhere one eight seven seven m p b ring those numbers are uh eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four I can't remember that, so I can remember 877 and then the MPB ring. Uh, if you want to give us a call, uh, it's got the lines wide open. And uh, I want to point out that this is the the last few days. If you like days getting shorter and darker, you've got about three or four more days to enjoy that because starting uh, about a week or so from now, it's going to start getting longer and longer. Here comes the sun starting next week. Uh, winter solstice coming up a week from today. And uh, I always celebrate that by uh, where I am going out and noticing where the sun sets. Where's the sun rise and where's the sunset? And I try to mark that. And then uh, in the middle of June, June the 21st, when we have the, winter sol- the summer solstice, I like to mark that, just to see what a difference it is between where the sun rises and sets six months apart. It's pretty dramatic. And uh, if you're interested in that sort of stuff, I, I don't know much about it, but uh, I-, I like to hear about it. So if you've got an antidotes about the solstice, Give us a call. Also, uh, I've been growing a lot of winter greens this this year. I planted some stuff back before the first frost, and right now I'm looking at burgundy mustard. I'm looking at three kinds of of kale: purple kale, uh, regular kale, and kind of a frilly white and green kale. I've got a rosemary, a oregano. I've got parsley. I've got five different kinds of lettuces, including some smooth leaves, some ruffled leaves, a red leaf, all different kinds of stuff. That's pretty. I mean, it, it makes a nice little arrangement. And uh you can take this whole arrangement I'm holding in my hands, drop it in a pot of of water, add a little salt, maybe a potato or a carrot, uh chicken if you got one, or a squirrel if you need to, <laughs> and you've got some food, but it looks great. You can grow this stuff in a pot on your porch and it can take down to about 20, maybe 20 degrees or so, but certainly down into the middle 20s. And if it's going to get colder than that, just drag it in for a day or two and put it back out. The, the, after a, a little cold, a lot of this stuff actually gets sweeter, has a better flavor. Anyway, it's pretty, it's easy. You can do it in a pot, doesn't have to have a lot of potting soil because they don't have any roots to speak of. So, you know, even just a, a salad bowl. Hey, that's not a bad idea. A salad bowl, some potting soil, and uh, get your three, it's packages of three or four different kinds of lettuce seed, Mix them together and just sprinkle a tiny little pinch across it. And within a week, it's going to be up and growing. You can feel so good about yourself. And a couple of weeks after that, you can start snipping on it and eating it. And uh, it wouldn't be kind of neat to have some small bowls of this and, and uh, put it on a, a, a place setting type thing. Throw in a pansy or a viola because they're not only pretty and they love cold weather, but you can eat those too. Been my experience that the pansies stick to the roof of your mouth, so I go with the violas because they mix up a whole lot better with the other stuff. But anyway, oh, oh one other thing. I got some Swiss, Swiss chard. Uh, there's a a, a a series called Rainbow Chard. They come in in a deep, dark burgundy, bright yellow, green, white, all different colors of Swiss chard. They also grow right through the wintertime, but a few edible greens. Uh, some Some leafy herbs that you can uh, cook with or just enjoy or make the place smell good you got something that looks really really good. Hey, this is something that kids can do even over the uh, the holidays and out from school. It doesn't take anything at all to put a little bit of potty soil in a shallow pot and get them to sprinkle some seeds out there. water it, put it outside, and watch what happens. Not only you're going to grow stuff that's pretty edible but you might be introducing kids to what we call food ownership. They own their own stuff. Our lines are open if you want to give us a call. I've got some cheesy tunes coming up, uh, Christmas-type things or holiday-type things. If you want to give us a call, though, it's toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. I don't know of any garden-related activities going on the rest of this month, but I know that on the uh, second Saturday, I think it's the second Saturday, I don't have it with me, the 12th or the 13th or 14th, whatever, uh, the second or third Saturday in uh, January, I'm going to be having a home fruit seminar. It's going to be a free seminar. Uh, It's going to be at a Jackson at a garden center called Hutto's. Uh, They kind of specialize in the best types of fruits that grow here and the best varieties of each. So if you've got a, a hankering to grow some blueberries or some Japanese persimmons or a little apple trees or maybe some some uh, muscadine grapes or any of those kind of things. I'm gonna have a free seminar. I've been doing it for years. There's usually quite a few people. It's indoors and um, we're gonna be talking about all different kinds of types of fruits and the best varieties of each and how to plant them and prune them and all that kind of stuff. Anyway.
2: Let's see if we can clear it up, Felder. You said the second or third Saturday. It's the uh, 17th January
0: the 12th. That's it. That's is it. Is
2: the second Saturday.
0: Okay. January the 12th.
2: Okay. All right. Well, January the 12th. I didn't want anybody to get confused. Java.
0: This reason you make the big bucks, man. You're on top of it, aren't you? <laughs> you
2: I try to be, you man. Got,
0: you got my back you know, I've been I've been accused, you see all these, these leafy greens are growing, they're all different colors, it's a kaleidoscope of colors. I've been accused of growing them just because I like to look at them and I hate to eat them, and that's true, that's true. But the thing about it, Java, we talked about this before the show, is I don't have to worry about whether whoever picked these things washed their hands or not, because I know for a fact they didn't, because it was me. <laughs>
2: But it's in in this uh I guess in this era of uh salmonella and these recalls, that's it's kinda healthy, man, to go ahead and just have it right there in your backyard.
0: Yeah, I don't know. of course there might be salmonella in my yard. I don't know, but but it's, it's it'll be my salmonella. Okay <laughs> But anyway, it is so easy to grow stuff like this. It's just, it's almost embarrassing. It's so easy to grow stuff in the winter because you don't have any bugs. You don't have to water or anything like that. Anyway, they took away all my buttons, but I see through my bifocals that I got a call from Memphis, Tennessee from Pat. Good morning, Pat. How are you?
3: I'm doing fine. Good. What's up? Uh, Well, I inherited my parents' yard. Oh, boy. Yeah. So they've got Japanese maples, they've got Wisteria. And they've got some bushes, and all of them seem to ha- to have these tiny, well, these medium-sized holes developing in the leaves. And I don't, I don't see a bug, but it's been going on now for several months.
0: You say is medium-sized? What's little foam-type things? No, they're
3: just holes.
0: Holes in, like the, oh, in the oh, in in the leaves.
3: In the
0: leaves. Well, if it's different kinds of plants, um, it's not going to be probably a related insect. Insects and diseases tend to favor certain plants over others. And uh, if they're all fairly uniform, it sounds kind of weird, but it could be that they got hit with a hailstorm because hail hits these leaves and it'll actually make a little hole in them. It doesn't have to go through it. It can actually eat away o- over a period of months. But if you've got different kinds of plants with the holes in them, uh, I, I would want to rule out an insect disease. Uh, I could probably tell better if you could send me a picture, but i tell you what, look at the ends of the branches, Pat, and if the ends of the branches have got leaves that don't have the holes in it, then that's a problem that happened some months ago and it's long gone, and I wouldn't worry about it.
3: Okay.
0: I mean, that's that's sort of my problem. If it's an insect, there's nothing you can do about it because the insect's long gone now. If a disease... Um, you know, you'd have to spray next year to keep it from happening again. You can't really cure diseases or insects when they're not there. So right now what I would do is uh, see if you can get a really good, clear, close-up picture and shoot me an email about it, or or else maybe take some by the Botanic Garden there um, uh, in, in Memphis, or else um, just wait and see what happens. It, again, if it's new leaves look fine, that's old damage, wouldn't worry about it at all. Your mama would say go back inside and find something else to do.
3: Yeah. get the leaves out from does it hurt leaves to leave it on the grass
0: not really Uh, Pat if your leaves if they pack down and completely cover the grass that can create real good conditions for diseases so it's better if you could mow them you know chop them up in smaller bits and when it gets so thick that mowing you still can't see the grass. You need either rake or blow them up under the shrubs or something. But I wouldn't let them pack down on top of the grass c- completely covered up, or you're going to probably have some problems with little insects and diseases and stuff. you've got to remember that gra- grass is a prairie plant. Leaves are woodland products, and prairie plants normally don't grow in the woods. So leaves on the ground is normal, but not out in the prairie. So I would make them think they're back in the prairie. Get rid of the leaves.
3: So, yeah, so a lot of raking. Well,
0: or, or blowing. Oh, you know, I, I, of course, that might just be a guy thing, but I like going around the blower. It makes me feel like a real he-man, <laughs> and it irritates the neighbors if you do it on Sunday morning, believe me.
3: <laughs> well, I'll just get my friend's teenage son. Yeah, well, see, you know, when it stop, if it
0: dries out the next day or so, uh, a lot of times mowing will chop them up. As long as you still see the grass when you're done, you don't have to rake.
3: Okay. Well, I will try to get a good close-up photo and pop it to you.
0: Okay. Thanks, Pat. Appreciate it.
3: Thank you. Merry Christmas.
0: Thank you. And now, by the way, that email is garden at org. Hey, let's go over to Vicksburg and talk with Danny about uh, blueberries. Right, Danny? Yes. What's up?
1: Um, well, they're doing real well. I planted them, I think, May of about two years ago, 17, uh-huh. and they just, was, they look pathetic. I, yeah. I got six of them, uh, three different varieties, Yeah. and then uh, uh, staggered them, each of the different varieties, mm-hmm. so, and uh, I put a fair amount of good new uh, mulchy soil down on the bottom when I planted them, Yeah, but they just haven't performed, I don't know what I should do. At this point if they should cut them back or anything like that or
3: well let, or, let, let, let's
0: let's do a little head scratching here when you said you put stuff in the bottom did you just put it in the bottom of the hole or did you mix it in with the dirt you already had
1: well it was it was soil so i mean it was really good black deep rich soil yeah and i and i thought yeah, I did. yeah i just got through in the bottom of the hole that's why i kind of planted it around with it um,
0: yes yeah. here, here here's what i would do and, and and i've been planting blueberries for a long time they have a weird kind of root system they're 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 like azaleas they got more of a of a furry little mat rather than great big tap root type stuff and uh what they like is a combination of dirt and peat moss that where 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 these things naturally grow is very acidic uh and got a lot of peat in the soil is and and so what I would do, and they haven't been in the ground too long to do this, I would just simply sometime over the next month or so just dig them up. You know, shake the little stuff out. Don't don't booger them up too much. Just dig them up, and then dig. You know, all the stuff that's down in the hole. Dig it all together. Uh, and make it a little extra wide, maybe two, three feet wide. And you can do that this time of year because the, the dig is not as hard. But then add a little bit of real Canadian peat moss. You know, that kind of reddish brown stuff. Mm-hmm. It's the only time I really recommend, strongly recommend peat moss. It, other plants don't care that much, but blueberries really, really like it and last a long time. Get two or three shovels of that stuff and mix it in really, really good with all the stuff you've already got. And then replant them a little on the high side. I think they you know, they'll, they'll jump then. Okay. I, I wouldn't prune them, though, because right. uh, any kind of f- berries you can have this next year are going to be from flowers that are the buds are on the ends of the branch. You can look at the ends of the branches and see which ones got big, fat flower buds and which ones don't. As long as you leave a few of those, you might get a few berries next year. Okay. But a re- let's rework the dirt and try not to keep them too wet.
1: Okay. Thank you.
0: Good luck on it, man. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Well- all right, it's Danny from Vicksburg. Toll free, one eight seven seven mpb ring We can take a real, real short break. Not much. We don't do commercials. We just do little promos and stuff like that. So if you want to give us a call, we got the lines wide open. They've taken all the buttons away from me, but I've got a screen, and I can see it if I do my bifocal just right. But again, I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing, and we're going to be talking about just gardening, gardening in the Deep South. I really appreciate the folks who listen by way of podcast. If you've got questions or comments during the week, shoot us an email, garden at mpbonline.org. I promise. I'm trying to give you the advice that I would use myself without trying to sell myself anything. We'll be right back with more of the Gestalt Gardener here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting right after this. Welcome back, folks. Horticulture's fell to rushing. I've been playing around with all these greens in here and uh, <laughs> trying to see if I could turn myself into a green man. I don't know if you're aware of the green man, what they call foliage face, where they have these ancient carvings and all these old churches and stuff uh, all over Europe, uh, where it's like a face of a guy he has got vines coming out of his nose and his mouth and his ears and stuff. Uh, I'm a leafy green edible salad green man today. <laughs> With a little burgundy thrown in. Uh, Hey, let's go down to Biloxi, all the way to the Gulf Coast, and talk with Craig. Hey, Craig, good morning, sir.
1: Hey, good morning. What's up? Uh, I was wondering if this is a good time of year to do uh, tree pruning.
0: Well, yeah, I I guess. Are you just taking limbs off like like they were never there, or are you just shaping
1: stuff up or what? Well, a little bit of both, and, and I was wondering if they need if the tools need to be disinfected too, because I read something about uh, cross disinfected, and even a chainsaw, if a chainsaw has to be disinfected if you're cutting big things. Yeah, well, let let me
0: give you a, a little insight into the world of garden journalism. I've written eighteen books and all these magazine articles and stuff, and I can tell you that a lot of times we say a lot more stuff than we really want to because the editors wants to fill up pages with words. <laughs> if you've got a specific disease like a like a black knot on a plum or fire blight on a pear or something like that, you can spread that bacterium for, from from same tree to same tree, but it's really really limited. For the most part, it's not that big a deal at all. What I would just do is make sure when you make a cut that you don't leave a stub. If you're cutting a limb off, cut it off flush with the trunk. Cutting a branch, cut it flush with the limb. In other words, don't leave any kind of stubs because they don't heal over. Cut pretty close. Uh, you know, sort of. Sometimes play with your thumb and imagine if you're going to try to get rid of your thumb. You want to cut through that knuckle, not halfway out. If that makes okay. sense. But other than that, it's not that big a deal. Make sure they're sharp if you can. But the most important thing: don't leave stubs.
1: Yeah. How about rootstock? Uh, and and is this a good time to do? Uh jam it, stick in the ground and let it root?
0: Well, yeah, if it's a type that will root, it won't root this time of year. They typically root, you know, when the when the soil is warm. On the Gulf Coast, it might. There's some plants that root really, really well, you know, willows and things like that and bamboo. But if it's the type that roots... Uh, if you want to try to grow something from a cutting, like a crepe myrtle or a rose or something, this is a great time. But they mostly they're gonna kind of hunker down. They're gonna grow this little knotty-looking stuff at the bottom called callus tissue, and the roots will actually sprout out in the spring when the when the when the soil runs up. But this is a time of year to root deciduous shrubs like azaleas and I mean, not as as blue blueberries. Crate myrtles, roses, things that drop their leaves in winter—they'll uh, root pretty well if you st- take the cuttings now.
1: Oh, okay. That's it.
0: That's it, man. That yeah, was sir. that was easy. Call back if you have some more questions. We'll we'll knock them out. Thank you, man. Okay, Carol's calling from Ocean Springs. Hey, Carol, what's up? Did I say hey. something? Did I say something wrong a little while ago?
4: Not to me. I
0: failed her. <laughs> Howdy. Because it's the shortest day of the year, and I was talking about that a little while ago, but sometimes I get my, my things mixed up.
4: No, I heard a fancy um, scientist talking on NPR in the last couple of days, and he was saying something that I really thought was a wonderful thing, because I don't like short days, <laughs> which is that our shortest evening of the year has already passed. What? He was saying that he went on and on and about. Yeah,
0: that's right. That keep, keep, keep going. We,
4: we really only have a day less than a year than we think because we're rotating around the sun, but we're rotating around the sun, which adds an extra day, which makes all our days, and that our so the way nights and our mornings and evenings get shorter and longer fluctuates different than we think it would huh. and it isn't exactly matched to the shortest day of the year so that our mornings are getting later continuously until the shortest day of the year as in darker and but a few days ahead of that time our evenings are starting to get a little bit lighter which i love because i don't like being dark <laughs> so early
0: well you know i'm 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 following you, but I'm confused. I just know that that right now is nighttime, a lot longer than it's daytime, and that's going to start turning around in a week.
4: Yes,
0: <laughs> and that, that that's around. that's the takeaway. Starting next week, you know, Starting it, next week, yeah, something. I, I used to keep track of. You know, I would say t- today is so and so seconds minutes longer than it was a week ago. You know, it's not very much, but it's enough to give us hope.
4: Enough to give us hope. <laughs> But I even like the hope that maybe it's already starting to get one second lighter in the evening. there you
0: go there you go well let's let's you know uh, we've been observing this for a long time. I actually went to stonehenge uh, in in uh-huh. southern England. For the winter solstice. That's what it was made for, the winter solstice. And you never saw so many weird people in your life. And, of course, they were looking at me, too. But, you know, people with with horns on their hats and, uh, you know, all hugging the rocks and stuff like that. Me, I was just taking pictures of the sunrise because it's hope. (laughs) And that's the reason they made it. (laughs) Anyway, thank you, Carol. I appreciate it. Okay. Bye. I don't know what to say. Anyway, solstice next next week. I know that, but I guess she was right, in, in, or whoever was right, in that the the sh- the shortest night of the year would have been back in June. I don't want to get into that. Let's talk about gardening. Give me a call. You got a gardening question? One eight seven seven MPB ring. Um, I, I do like to to plant stuff. I don't like to harvest stuff that much. Every now and then, I'll throw some kale or some lettuce in a thing of soup. But I grow them because they're pretty. And I just I have such a pretty thing. I'm going to see if I can get Java to put a picture of me and all these colorful greenery type thing, edible greens on our pod on our podcast website. we get off the air. But anyway, for the next little while, here's a couple of things to keep in mind with uh, the days uh, getting shorter. Uh, for the next week or so, and then it's going to be cold for the next month or so after that. There's not a whole lot that you should be planting right now, but it's a good time to dig holes because that's the hardest part. If you get a plant, then you got to dig a hole and plant it. You know, that's twice as much stuff at one time. I'd rather spread it out and uh, do a little digging right now. The ground is soft enough to, not it's not diggable because it clumps up, it's so wet. But if you could take a shovel and dig down deep, a sho- solid shovel deep and turn it upside down and then just sort of chop it once or twice, then the rains will sort of dissolve it over the way. It'll be so much easier to dig later. If you can throw some bark or some mulch or compost in with it, uh, then it's going to be so easy to dig when it comes time to plant stuff later. But here's the thing. If you want to grow a raised bed, if you want to make you a raised bed garden, Garden. and just grow a few little culinary herbs and some, some uh, uh, attractive designer type vegetables. Something looks pretty and you can eat it from time to time. This is a good time to turn the dirt over and throw some mulch on it and then sprinkle some ryegrass seed or something like that to grow over the winter time. Ryegrass not only does the ryegrass grow up but it grows roots down and those roots absorb minerals and nutrients from the soil next spring when you turn it over the roots and the tops add organic matter so you've grown your own stuff plus it dissolves into nutrients that plants can immediately absorb it's called a cover crop so if you've got a bare area in your garden you want to plant some stuff in the spring put you some clover or ryegrass seed or even some turnips or something like that out there just have something grows over the winter that looks nice helps protect the soil and it'll really help break it up with those roots and then all the greenish stuff you turn it over next spring and let's go uh, back down to the coast of bay st louis hey steve good morning
1: Good morning, Felder. How are you doing?
0: Fine. What's up?
1: Well, I'm a southern Florida boy, uh, but I've been here uh, for probably about 28 years.
0: Starting to get out of your range there.
1: Yeah. Uh, South Florida has a lot of exora plants. Look very pretty. Try to grow them up here. Nope. Of course, when it gets down to 40 below, it, it, <laughs> yeah. it dies right off.
0: Yeah, but... So but, but What? You can I'm also grow, you can grow paper white mark narcissus in, in the Gulf Coast. you can grow them down there and they'll bloom in the wintertime for you.
1: Yes, I, I could try a few of those, but I still wanted the the bright, flashy red yeah. uh, flowers, so yeah. I'm looking to see what kind of plant resembles an exora, uh, but we will take the cold.
0: Well, there's first of all, it does get really is, is, it gets colder than you're used to because it gets cold, period. Uh, but you can grow ixora, uh, you can grow all so many of those wonderful plants as potted plants, and only drag them in if it's going to get down below about thirty-two or so. As a matter of fact, I put a lot of my tropical. I love tropical. I spent a lot of time in in uh, uh, South Florida. Caribbean, uh, Africa, South America, Hawaii. I love tropical plants. And I kept mine out uh, night before last. It got down to 32. Didn't hurt them at all because up close to the house, there's a little heat sump. So you only have to worry about if it's going to get down below freezing and stay there for a day or so. And then you could drag potted plants in, you know, just for that night. So you can grow terrific uh, 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 foliage plants all year. And just drag them in for the three or four nights that you really have to in, in the wintertime. Uh, okay. We, we all, you know, you can grow, one of the ground covers that you could grow in South Florida that you can grow up on the Gulf Coast, people don't think about is peacock ginger. You know, sort of like a ground cover. You, you know, you couldn't grow hostas down there, but peacock ginger is a nice little, old, uh, 8 or nine inch tall ground cover, really, really colorful. Uh, and it, it's one of the South Florida transplants you can grow.
1: Okay. But as far as uh, something that w- would stay in the ground, uh, uh, I would have to.
0: Yeah, the the, the 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 crotons, all those kind of things, they're just not going to do uh, that well. You could grow amaryllis, uh, you know. Of course, that doesn't bloom that long. You like the foley stuff, but things like croton, uh, ixora, uh, so many the, the the variegated shell ginger, you could probably grow that one. You know, sort of the green and yellow striped ginger. It'll probably grow on the Gulf Coast. It may not further north, but you know, that's one thing.
1: Yeah, I wasn't uh, particular about. Something from South Florida, but something that would be eight or, or seven that has the same small trumpet uh, flowers.
0: Yeah. Um, oh, one one other thing you can grow. You know, again, I I've just yeah I wrote I actually wrote a book called Tough Plants for Florida Gardens as well as one for Tough Plants for Mississippi Gardens. And right now, so much is flying through my head, I'm just drawing a little bit of a blank. But if you'll send me an email. I can shoot you back 8 or 10 things that will scratch every one of your I want some bold foliage flower type of its that you got.
1: Okay. Well, I appreciate it. Man.
0: No, no, do do send me an email because like I say, I you know, I can close my eyes right now if I sit in my office, I can reach my hand over and touch my Tough Plants for Florida books that has all sorts of things that grow up in the panhandle of Florida, which is very much like where you are in Mississippi.
1: Okay. I will do that.
0: Okay. And, hey, and don't forget you can always get you a manatee mailbox and put out there.
1: that's <laughs> yeah, true. You know what I'm talking appreciate about. It. Or, or the dolphin. Or the flamingo.
0: There you go, Steve. I'll be glad to help, and it'll be a good exercise for me.
1: Uh, okay, Thank Pre- you so.
0: appreciate it. Welcome. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Okay, let's go to Macomb. We got some cheesy music, but I want to see what uh, is it? At- Adamu? Who? Macomb? Adam? Adam? Good morning. Good morning. Yes, I do, I don't, I do move. Yes, sir. What's up?
1: All right, listen to you as often as I can. Well, good, I think thanks. i, think I think like to think I'm a regular listener. Look, I've grown some ginger this summer and had great time with them, and I got about five pounds of ginger, uh-huh. and I, I've already taken them out of the pot. I'm wondering how to overwinter that over the winter so I can plant some back in the spring.
0: Oh, just just keep them dry. You can you can actually put them in a. Did you have them in the ground or in pots? In, in a pot, about a two foot. You know, you 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 could just keep them in the pot and just don't water them. You know, just let it dry out like that. And then in, in the spring, set it out, water it, and they'll start to sprout over again. You know, those those uh, roots can last for months without being watered. So the main thing is keep them dry. If you want to sort of spread them out on a piece of, uh, you know, some newspaper or something, let it dry really good. And just keep them, you know, in a place like in the kitchen or some place where it's not too humid, not too, you know, not too too too, too wet, they'll do fine. You can also some of them uh, down in Macomb will actually overwinter. You know, we I mean they, they'll they'll come back in the spring. We've got two or three kinds of hardy gingers for South Mississippi, but in general, the main thing is, is just try not to keep them too. Let them stay completely dry, and then in the spring, set them out and just water them. They'll come right back up.
1: All right. Well, I sure do enjoy your show. Listen as often as I can.
0: I appreciate Thank it. You. Thank you for calling. Appreciate okay. that. All righty. Hey, how about a little bit of jazz, folks? You know, I play all sorts of cheesy stuff and, you know, country stuff and rock stuff and and old uh, big band stuff and all. But how about a little bit of jazz to get us back into this uh, spirit? I'm Horticulturist Rushing here at Mississippi Public Broadcasting. We'll come back with your phone calls right after this. Welcome back, Horticulture Fellow Russian. A little bale of fleck there, a little jazzy, uh, uh, bluegrassy type of stuff. Anyway, I've got a lot of cheesy music for the holidays, and trust me on this, I can really offend just about anybody with some of it. Uh, we're going to be talking about guarding up at the end of the hour and got some lines open. If you want to give me a call, it's toll free. One eight seven seven mpb ring Got the lines wide open right now. I got an email from Joey up in Tremont. Joey uh, uh, Tremont is way up there in what I call the icebox part. He said, I got a couple of questions. Are pecan shells good or bad for the garden or innocuous? Uh, Second, approximately 8-foot-tall cherry bark axe. Cherry bark oak sapling. It has a curve near the top. I want to straighten it out by duct taping so it wouldn't splints on it. <laughs> yeah, you can do that. No problem. Rather than duct tape it though, let's use some like some some uh, some tie twist tie type things that you can loosen up. Because if you forget about it, it cuts into the bark. That's going to cause all sorts of problems. There's no problem at all those Straighten stuff up with a splint, whether it's a, a human leg or a cherry bark oak sapling. The main thing is trying not to tie. so tight and I wouldn't use duct tape. Duct tape is going to You can forget about it. It's going to cut into the tree. I'm just, I'm predicting that, Joey. Anyway, as far as pecan shell, they're perfectly fine. If you don't mind squirrels digging around (laughs) around in your yard. But uh, the uh, pecan shells are great mulch. You know, you can go to places that shell pecans. I know a place in Jackson that does it. They've got just bags and bags and bags of the stuff. It makes a really, really good mulch. Uh, You can also dig it in your dirt if you want to. It takes a long time to decompose, but think of it as as, uh, angled, sharp pointy type of bark stuff and yeah, perfectly fine if you spread it out also this could be just enough of the of the for the, for the meat left and some of the pecans where a lot of the little wild birds and things that that peck around on the ground are going to go after it so i think it'd be kind of fun you can also use sweet gum balls by the way but you didn't ask about that anyway toll free one eight seven seven mpb we've got the lines wide wide open i uh, also got an email from from uh Uh, Jerry Osmond from Brandon want to know, can still plant bulbs? And the answer is, sure, but let's get it done. Uh, If you're going to be planting things like tulips, Tulips really need to be pre-chilled here in the Deep South. You need to put them in the refrigerator for four, five, six weeks uh, so they'll bloom just right. They're the only bulbs that I recommend pre-chilling, not daffodils or anything like that. But if you've got a bunch of bulbs or you want to plant a bunch of bulbs, uh, this time of year I plant them a little on the shallow side. Or better yet, get you some pots and uh, put a little potting soil on the bottom, put the big bulbs in. Cover those up to the tips with some more potting soil. Put some middle-sized bulbs, and then pull a little bit more potting soil and stick you a pansy or two in each pot. And the the big bulbs and little bulbs will go all together through the pansies. Real, real easy to do them in containers right now. Work a little bit of fertilizer into the soil so that uh, not only they make bulbs... Uh, flowers for this year but they'll make flower buds for next year but it's a great time to plant bulbs matter of fact it's a it's a real easy thing to do and if you've got some kids that are a little bit bored or maybe you just want a real short-term little horticultural experiment you can get some paper white uh, they're a type of Narcissus, Narcissus tazetta. We call them paper whites. They typically have multiple flowers per stem. Uh, they're usually white, sometimes a little pale yellow. they got yellow cups. or But anyway, multiple small flowers per stem, they're intensely fragrant. These things will bloom from scratch in about three weeks, three, maybe four weeks at the most, if you put them in pots and, uh, and water them. Or else you could actually just put them in little bowls and, and stand them up with some Anything you can use gravel if you got it, you can use mardi gras bees, beer caps, anything you want to, something to make the bulbs stand up. Uh, put a little bit of water, just enough to touch the bottom of the bulbs, and they'll start growing roots that'll tangle up in whatever you planted them in to keep them from flopping over. And within th- about three weeks, you can have flowers. You can have flowers indoors, fragrant flowers, and uh, paper whites are about the best for doing that. Uh, here's a really oddball tip it's a it's it's, it's it's a stupid horticulture trick. There we go. I said it. You can add a little bit of alcohol to the water. If you're going to force bulbs indoors, uh, I think it's about, it's like 10%, you know, one part alcohol to 7 or 8% uh, percent, uh, parts water. It doesn't take very much, but if you'll mix the alcohol with water when you do it, it will stunt the bulbs enough to, instead of being about a foot and a half tall and flopping over, they'll bloom the same size, same flowers, same fragrance, same everything, except they'll be about seven or eight inches tall. They won't flop over. It's, if you're not, you can't remember all that. Just Google uh, 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 paper whites and alcohol, or bulbs and
2: alcohol. What? Are we talking rubbing alcohol or Jack Daniels?
0: Well, you can use rubbing alcohol if you got it.
2: Okay. <laughs> but no, Just want to be clear. <laughs> no, no.
0: They, they recommend clear. I'd go with gin or vodka or rubbing alcohol. <laughs> you know but uh and i wouldn't I, I wouldn't use the good stuff either but anyway clear alcohol uh there's a different percentage of actual alcohol in both of those and so i think you have to use less of the rubbing alcohol than you do the other stuff the most important thing is if you can't remember either shoot me an email or just google it uh uh bulbs and alcohol it'll have the recipe which by the way this came up uh through research at at uh, Cornell University up in upstate New York in Ithaca New York uh, through a uh uh, Grant from the uh, the, the bulk Flowering Bulb Association. So it's a valid university type of thing. It's not something that that ain't made me come up with when somebody came over. She had to throw her gin behind the, the bushes real quick. But anyway, it's real, real easy to force uh, paper whites to bloom one at a time, three at a time, whatever you want to. You can do them in a cup. But the main thing is, put something in the bottom that the roots can tangle up with to keep it from flopping over when it does bloom. Uh, I use Mardi Gras beads. They work just fine. Uh, anyway, if you've got some uh, other interesting little tips like that you want to share, give us a call, one eight seven seven mpb ring Meanwhile, let's slide up to Belzona, up to the heart of the Delta. Hey, Mark, good morning, sir. Hey,
1: how you doing, Phil? Fine. What's going on? Uh, I planted some sweet potatoes. Uh-huh. Uh... You know, the slips and all, and they did great. But the thing is, I've seen so many different ways I'm supposed to cure them. Yeah. And really and truly what I did was I just dug them up, kept the the dirt on them, and set them in where the uh, hot water heater is. Yeah. And that's it.
0: That, you know, that's, that's more than country folks used to do because they didn't have a hot water heater, but they did the same thing without the hot water thing.
1: Yeah, but I, they also said I had to have. They also said I had to have the humidity around. Eighty degrees or something like that. You know, this, I don't think I got
0: that. Okay, this is see this is, this is where you know a lot of my. And keep in mind, I'm a retired university horticulturist. So I can make people's eyes bleed with stupid details you don't need to know, and they tend to come up with all this weird stuff to get more and more precise and exact. And the truth is, you don't have to do any of that stuff. You can just dig them up and throw them up under the house. And they'll do fine, <laughs> you know. If you got, you know, unless you got a slab house, the main thing is you want to keep them dry. You don't want, because they, okay. they rot real easy. And one thing you did right, those leaving the dirt. If you dig them up and immediately wash them, you know they're all bruised from being dug up. They can get uh, rot. So you just let them dry out for a few days. But anyway, the the curing just means I let them dry out for four or five or six days so they get sweet, and just try not to keep them too wet where they rot.
1: So how long how long do I have to let them stay there? I mean, it's been about what two months?
0: Yeah, I I would say three or four days. You don't have to do, that's what I'm saying. People, uh, garden journalists and horticulturists tend to write a lot more than they need to because they got to fill up space. You know, once you dig them up, you know, the main thing is you can start eating them. I mean, you, the day you dig them up, they're too hard. They they A lot of the carbohydrates change to sugar over that curing process. It only takes a week or so, week and a half, two weeks. So in other words, you're done. You can start doing whatever you want to with them. All right, sounds good. Dad, dad, don't right. don't let them muddy the water for you. It's just sounds country good. country folks men d growing sweet potatoes for a long time without knowing they're supposed to do all that stuff. All right. Keep it easy, man. I got it. Man. <laughs> Appreciate it. Okay. okay. Uh our lines open. 1877 MPB ring. I know it irritates some people that I don't get real scientific, but I'm retired from all that science stuff now. I can do it if we need to. If you want to, we can do it. But if you don't want to do it, let's don't. Let's don't. I, I, one of my favorite examples is composting. You know, there are books and books and books written on composting. There's one book called Compost is Book. And, you know, they fill up a whole book full of carbon-nitrogen ratio and thermophilic bacteria and bioactivation and turning and aerating and all this stuff. and It's a leaf pile, folks. <laughs> it's, it's a fancy leaf pile. The more stuff you do to it, the quicker it'll compost. But if you don't do anything, it's going to compost anyway. It just takes a little bit longer. So if you're in a hurry, we can speed stuff up. If you're trying to make uh, a little bit of, of, uh, of uh, money on the side... Efficiency is important, tricks of the trade help, but if you're just knocking around in the yard, don't worry about all those things. Trust me, as a horticulturist, there's a lot of stuff I don't do in my garden that I wish I didn't even know about because I don't like thinking about what I ought to be doing when I'm doing just fine. Horticulture's failed of rushing. We're going to take a real quick break, and we're going to come back with more of the Stalk Gardener. With the lines are wide open, by the way, 1-877-MPB-RING. This last week before the winter solstice, we're going to be talking about gardening. Give us a call here at MPB. We'll be right back after this.
4: To a radio? Well, don't worry. MPB Think and Music Radio are available online
2: and on our MPB public media app. It's simple. Just log on to our website at mpbonline.org to get started. This is MPB Think Radio.
0: Okey-doke, folks. Welcome back. horticultural fellow, Rushing. Uh, last week I, I mentioned about using uh, art, uh, uh, natural stuff for for holiday decorations And uh, I got a a really nice little email from Collie Jones, who's a loyal listener from Port Gibson. She said, you mentioned this on your program last week. I wanted to let you know that gumball Christmas decorations are alive and well. She sent me a picture of two little trees she made. They're cones. They're tight little cones. They're about, oh, look like they're about a foot, a little bit more tall, with sweet gumballs that are, I guess glued together in a Christmas tree shape with some little red berries. With the sweet gum balls have been spray painted gold. So she put gold spray painted sweet gum balls, glued them into a little Christmas tree shape, and stuck some red berries on it. And I just really appreciate that a whole bunch. Hey, let's slide down to Franklinton, Louisiana. Hey, Patsy, good morning.
2: Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. Good. What's up? I oh, I know that it may be a a little bit too late. But I was wondering if it was too late to grow to plant mondo dwarf grass.
0: No, it's a great time because it's not so hot out there. The mosquitoes and stuff aren't going to bother you. you. Can do it with a screwdriver this time of year.
2: Great news.
0: Well, let me let me ask you this though: What do you want to do with it though? What do you want it to do?
2: It's going to be as a ground cover.
0: Uh huh. You got a big Actually, area.
2: It's about a five by eight area
0: yeah, yeah that's doable the reason i'm asking is the dwarf mondo is really really dwarf it spreads very slowly and if you want to fill it real quick i'd go with the regular mondo grass because it spreads like crazy so it just depends on how fast you want to do. keep in mind that the dwarf mondo is real slow growing but it's so pretty when you get done with it
2: okay it's a confined area
0: yeah yeah that'd be so, in shade right
2: um, direct sunlight.
0: Ooh, um, mondo grass will do okay in the direct sunlight, but it really does better shade. So, anyway, the main—could uh, c- you plant my, like a little dwarf Japanese maple or something to give it a light shade in the summertime? Is it possible?
2: Well, it has morning sun, and then in the evening, probably about two or three it has
0: shade oh that's okay that's uh, that's fine it's the heat that gets it not the sunshine it's that radiated heat so as long as it's not late afternoon sun it'd be no problem here's the deal though when you plant the stuff um you know the individual plants they're going to sit there the first year they're going to grow roots and stuff second year they're going to start to spread so it might take you a couple of three years for it to really fill in so the more you can spread them out that the closer you can plant them you know, you divide the little plants up in individual plants, but put them fairly close together so they'll fill in more quickly, and then use you some good bark mulch to keep the weeds out the first year or two. But th- this is a great okay. time for
2: planting them. Okay. Well, that answered my question, uh, question, and I wanted to plant them pretty close so it looks it's
0: like a finished look. Oh, that's, well, you know that's that's a lot of dwarf mondo. The stuff's not because it's slow growing. It's a little. It takes longer to produce and wholesale, so it might be a little bit more expensive. But you know, the main thing is go ahead and you know spread them out a little bit. They'll fill in pretty quickly. But if you got the bucks for it, pack them in there, sweetheart. It'll do fine.
4: Okay.
2: All right. Well, thank you so much for all this good information. Hey,
0: let me throw out one other thing. This is just me talking, okay? There's a okay. type of daffodil called tet-a-tet, T-E-T-E-A-T-E-T-E. They're little bitty things. Plant you three or four little groups of those here, there, and there just having some wintertime. And it, it's not a big old floppy daffodil, sweet little daffodil. It would look so good to give you something to look at in the wintertime.
2: Thank you so much. I'll look that up. You
0: bet, Patsy. Thank you. All righty. Now let's go to Union. Hey, Graylin. Wait, hey. Which is this a Union down uh, between uh, down getting towards Natchez Union?
1: No, this is over in uh, Newton County. Okay,
0: Newton County Union. Oh, that's right. I'm thinking Union Church. What's going on? I
1: want to know that name of that cheesy music you played on the 31st of uh, December.
0: Uh, wait, what, you, the one we played just today.
1: No, the thirty first of December.
0: Okay, uh, like a couple of weeks or so ago. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Oh, uh, I'm gonna have to look that one up because I can't remember. You know, I bring that stuff in, and and I just—I mean, I hate to say this, but I sort of choose it last minute. But uh, I, I could tell you next week, or else you can send me an email. I can tell you what it was because I—I mean,
1: right? I, like, come on, over to my God.
0: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, J- uh, Jacob. Dylan Jacob Dylan, I can't remember the guy's name
1: what you doing again next week I'll catch the name
0: all righty, and I tell you what if you get around to it, shoot me an email, and I'll send it to you okay, thank you all right, appreciate it. yeah, come on to my garden it's uh it's a I, gosh i I played that the first time, probably ten or twelve years ago. It's pretty good, but anyway. Starting to run out of time here, folks, and I've got a few things I like to share with you uh, that that I'm doing this time of year. One is I'm uh, I'm not pruning my my uh, fig tree just yet, but I want to. If you've got winter weeds in your lawn, you know I love them. I call them wildflowers. I think it's great to have some clover, some dandelions, some uh, wild, you know, all of these kind of little low-growing wildflowers in the winter lawn. They are covered with bees and butterflies. Even in January and February, every warm day that comes along, there's all sorts of pollinators out there on these little, uh, the the wild violets and things like that. I recommend having a meadow lawn. It just means mow what grows. The stuff that grows over the wintertime, if you mow it in the late spring, it dies down and you have a summer lawn. You can have a summer lawn and all sorts of winter meadow wildflowers. It's possible. You can actually transplant those things in your garden, put a few little low-growing daffodils out there, and put a sign out there saying meadow lawn of the season, whatever it takes. But if you want to control these things, if you're the uh, type of person who wants things nice and neat and uniform, the next month or so, starting about now, now that we've had some cold weather, the winter weeds... The clovers, the garlic, the henbit, the stickers that bother everybody in the spring, they're starting to sprout right now. I can see them. They're small, they're not blooming yet, they're very easy to control if you want to in December or January with sprays, weed killer sprays. If you want to control them, the next few weeks is the best time to do it while they're small, actively growing. When they start getting bigger and flowering, they get harder and harder to kill. And by next March or April, you're going to be calling me wanting to know what to do, and there ain't going to be squat we can do about it. So if you want to control lawn weeds, they're out there right now. Now's the time to start thinking about doing that. If you don't feel like doing it, then put a little sign out there to let the neighbors know you're doing this on purpose. It's called a meadow lawn as opposed to an industrial lawn. Either way you want to go, doesn't matter to me. I can help you either way. But if you want to have wildflowers and dandelions and henbit and violets and all those wonderful little winter meadow plants, you'll be doing everybody a favor, except for maybe your neighbors. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, if you've got questions during the week, shoot me an email, garden at org. I'm horticulturist Felder Rushing. You've been listening to or participating and the Gestalt Gardener, a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Uh, my producer, hard-working Java Chapman. Uh, we've got Kevin Farrell in there who's been being the f- cheerful phone greeter when he's not looking at weird words for his other programs during the week. We're going to be taking a break. Going to be coming back in exactly a week on the solstice. Going to be talking about gardening then. If you get a chance, take a kid to a garden center. Get them some paper white bulbs. Show them how to grow those things in a cup indoors. In other words, show them how to do what we do best. And that's how to get dirty. See y'all next week.